0: Are a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone, welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton.
1: Thank you, Helen. Welcome back. Nice to see you again.
0: Thank you very much. It's, I'm happy to be back.
1: Yes, now we were missing you on our last episode because somehow in the middle of a pandemic, you got a gig shooting a movie.
0: I Yes, I got a gig shooting a movie. I shot a movie with Michael Pena. Ooh. It was very impressive. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what movie or when it's coming out or anything like that. But it was interesting to shoot. It was my first production job back like in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm.
1: And this was not something that people shot over Zoom or from home. Like You no, actually went to a place. Was, so what yeah. was that like?
0: This was a legit, like, per, you know, everybody gathers together at a place mm-hmm. for production and shoots, shoots like legit style. Um, it was interesting. I Everybody in the cast and the entire crew had to go through a drive through uh coronavirus testing the day before mm-hmm. we shot it was like you know like going through a drive through at mcdonald's except instead of chicken mcnuggets you get a nasal swab shoved up <laughs> to your brain
1: yeah, that is a little different than mcdonald's yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah
0: i'm gonna say it wasn't as fun like it wasn't like uh, oh, i want the honey mustard sauce like... i was about to say
1: they didn't dip it in uh, barbecue
0: <laughs> but it was good it was good like people were taking it very seriously on this production there was a COVID compliance officer And he was a little bit, you know, he was militant. He was like Mm. masks on everybody. Hey, six feet, you guys, six feet. Mm -hmm. So um, so it was good. I felt safe in that they were taking it very seriously. Um, There were masks like the covid compliance officer was there at the at the front uh, entrance and and he was checking everyone's masks. And if he didn't like the look of your mask, he made he assigned you a new mask. Mm. Yeah.
1: And uh, was there someone spraying things down on the set as well?
0: There was a guy with a, uh, a like a aerosolized sanitation gun. <laughs> <It> was...
1: <laughs> and so he <laughs> shot you with health.
0: You he would, he would just swing it around. You would just shoot things randomly, and you'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> like waving the the aerosolized stuff out of your face." But yeah, it was very. There were there were um, hand sanitizer stations stationed everywhere. And uh, so I joked that I would get alcohol poisoning before I got COVID.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, congratulations on the gig. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're back. And Thank you. um, please get Michael Pena for the show. Yes. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who was up first.
0: She is a writer, comedian, and musician who is the co-executive producer and head writer of earth to ned on disney plus and whose debut comedy album regarding my lovers is available now it's eliza skinner
1: hello eliza skinner
0: hey it's me hi it, it is you <laughs> hi.
1: I, uh, our listeners can't uh, can't know this but you just put on glasses and then said hey it's me you, you helped recognize yourself in that moment
2: <laughs> yeah well, it's my it's a reverse disguise Your okay uh, where'd she go <laughs> yeah
1: uh Earth to Net is such a fun show. Congratulations! I really enjoyed watching it.
2: Yeah, it was a really fun show to make. I got a great opportunity to work with just a, a really, really amazing team of creative people across a probably the broadest spectrum of abilities that I've ever worked with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I read in an article uh, just in, I think in the OC Register that uh, you described this as sort of the perfect job for your interests. It kind of combined a whole bunch of different things. Tell people about what the what those are.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've worked on a ton of different late night shows. I love late night shows. I love puppets. I love sci-fi. This is a late night show hosted by alien puppets built by the Jim Henson company. So that's, so that's great. people since I, since I got the job, everyone was like, did they, pull this out of your brain? How did they know? <laughs> I'm like, nope, it's just a very good coincidence.
1: Well, I think what's a lot of fun about the show also is that it has this sort of an improvised feel, and and I read it's because a lot of it is improvised, that the talk show stuff, even though you've got these very intricate puppets and and, and machinery, actually gets to be genuine talk show dialogue. Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, we write them questions so they'll have a direction to go in, like mm. kind of in any n- late night show. You know, sure. you'll, they'll, they'll be prepared. But yeah, they're really just having a conversation.
1: Which is so cool. It's it's hard enough for sometimes one host to do, but let alone... How how many people are operating uh, NED, for instance?
2: Well, NED is operated by six people. So there's uh, three people playing the hands, uh, one person playing the body, one person playing the eyes and head flap, one person who is the voice and mouth. But then also on top of all of that, there's me and the mouth guy's ear. Saying, oh, wait, what about this? Here's a joke. What if we said this? So he has to listen to the guest and me and stay in character. And it's just like a real high wire act for all six of them, but especially Paul Rugg, who is the the, the voice. Wow.
1: And uh, you've actually gotten to appear on a couple episodes as well.
2: Yeah, I played the roaster toaster, who we wrote for one episode. And... We liked it so much, we brought it back for a second one. It's a small robot who uh, delivers roast jokes. It's shaped like a toaster. When you press the toaster thing down, instead of toast popping out, a mean joke pops out. Oh, (laughs) that's
0: great. That's so clever.
1: Well, speaking of jokes, uh, you have your debut comedy album that just came out. It is called Regarding My Lovers, a fantastic title. Tell us about where that title came from.
2: It comes from the fact that a lot of the jokes are about dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I also aesthetically wanted it to have kind of a um, romance novel feel mm. or with a little Kate Bush thrown in there too.
3: <laughs> sure.
2: Does it have a romance
0: style cover? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Like a, like yeah. a bodice ripper?
2: I mean, I'm um, I'm by myself. There's no guy there ripping any <laughs> bodice off. I, I like that even more. You're like ripping your own bodice. Yeah, it's me and like lots of swaths of pink fabric Looking very '80s dramatic. I love it.
1: And uh, the album dropped on the same date that uh, Earth to Net <laughs> drops.
2: Yeah, it was a busy day. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was. That's not how I would have planned it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But <laughs>
0: how has pandemic been for you, generally? Um, it's been.
2: Honestly, the best time of my life. No, I'm kidding. It's awful.
0: It's
3: terrible. <laughs> so it's was gonna the be worse.
2: Like, wow! Congrats.
1: It had to be for someone, right? Someone has to be thriving during this. I don't know
2: who though. Sucked my hair in my mouth. Uh, yeah, I choked on it. No, it's it's been bad, but um, it's weird because with as difficult as it is for me and for everybody, and a lot of people even more so than me, it's hard to feel like it's okay to talk about the bright sides. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, well, we should talk about the bright sides. Like, I get to really hang out with my dog a whole lot. Your dog is so cute.
0: Your dog is in the Zoom shot right now. And he just is so adorable. I swear, he's looking into the camera and I feel like he's staring into my soul, frankly. Yeah, that's why he likes to hang
2: out. (laughs) Sometimes he'll be right behind me, so if I move to the side, it's like a reveal. Like, boom, Um, which is fun. The dog's been in the house the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Eliza, you end your comedy record with a few original songs and I actually first knew of you from uh, doing song improv, uh, probably the best musical improviser I've ever seen. Thank you. And one of the things that you do so well especially is rap. You do all sorts of different genres obviously when you improvise, but you are so great at rap. Is is rap improv harder than other genres or does it just seem harder because maybe people aren't as familiar with it or or it seems faster? How do you approach that versus other genres? Uh,
2: Musical improv in general is easier for me. Just because I think that way. Mm -hmm. I grew up listening to a lot of music and it's just kind of easy for me. With other types of music, you can kind of hold out a word like, Mm. you know, uh, uh, pad it for time while you're thinking of what you're going to say next by doing something musical that is harder to do with rap so rap is a little bit more difficult but with both of them for me when i'm doing them i just sort of feel like i am suddenly in a fever dream and i don't remember what happened (laughs) as soon as it's over people will come up to me afterwards and be like hey that song that you did about the ghost that's a surgeon i'm like i don't
1: know (laughs) what you're talking about i i wasn't there that's great well we're glad that you are here tonight thanks so much for joining us eliza skinner Helen, against whom will Eliza be competing? He is an Emmy and
0: Peabody Award-winning writer and comedian who is a writer and producer on the Showtime hit, Jesus and Marrow* and a regular panelist on NPR's, wait, wait, don't tell me, along with myself, it's Josh Gondelman. Hello, Josh Gondelman.
4: I've been made fun of for this just to jump in right away. Uh, you said Peabody Award, which I also say being from Eastern Massachusetts, uh, but they, other people from other places say Peabody, but that's not the town that's 20 minutes from where I grew up. So I say it the way that I have since I was a child.
0: Wait, did, how did I say it? Did I say it the you way said you said Peabody? Say it? You say it oh, like I said. Because I also, and we have talked about this, yes. I also have some mass hole background. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, I have spent and,
0: part of my childhood in Massachusetts, and so we're both yes. Massholes that way.
4: I think that's what it is because I've been like, "Oh, a Peabody Award—that's exciting!" And they're like, "What did you grow up in a uh, in Goodwill Hunting?" That's like not <laughs> how people say that.
0: You're like, "Yes, yes, actually, yeah, they I did. I did.
4: Yeah, how do you how do you like them apples?"
0: <laughs> actually, I have to say, give you a shout out, Josh, because. The last time that we were on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, I actually invited Josh to be part of my Bluff the Listener story to employ his incredible New England accent skills <laughs> because my Bluff story was set in Rhode Island. And I was like, oh, my God, Josh, I bet Josh could do a great Rhode Island accent.
4: Thank you. And I was so yeah. flattered. It was a real thrill. <laughs> I hope I did it justice. It was. So Can much you give fun. us a little of your Rhode Island accent, Josh? I mean, it's like, a, it's like very Peter Griffin from Family Guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like made as human as like a JFK impression. So it's just like, dude, I was hammered. <laughs> so, that's <what laughs> it was, I was about peabody. drinking. I wasn't like, yeah. oh, everyone in Rhode Island is constantly <laughs> wasted. <laughs> no, you actually know Eliza. How is that? Oh my gosh. I'm such a big fan of Eliza's comedy. I've been friends for years and... I just was like, she's having, she has all these exciting things happening. We've been in touch over the pandemic. Like, we're, like, buddies, so we'll text and stuff. Like, how are, how are things? You know, pretty bad. And it's like, yeah, same. <laughs> I, and so, like, that's what friendship is now, right? It's like you text people that things are bad. Um, but... Yeah, so that so I was just like, oh, what a, a fun time! Someone who I know well enough that I will not be embarrassed in front of when I get things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's important in a friendship, right? <laughs> Someone I respect and admire, and have probably embarrassed myself in front of before. <laughs> no, but not
2: likewise. likewise. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet.
1: Uh, Josh, Helen mentioned that uh, you are a writer and producer on *Diesis and Merrow*, which I just read recently. Got renewed for season three.
4: Yeah, we're coming back in. So we're we're on through the end of October and then uh, back in 2021. I'm so excited.
0: And you have been producing during the pandemic and through the quarantine and stuff. And what's that been we like?
4: We have. It has been interesting. We're producing in, you know, the show gets made from everyone's individual home, including like our hosts, shoot in their homes one lives in New Jersey one lives in the Bronx and so like we're literally shooting simultaneously in two different states oh wow yeah and we're we're in a nice rhythm I, I'm like really proud of how the shows have come out we've started doing like all these real silly green screen sketches and we just shot uh, or we just aired a piece uh, a couple of weeks ago that was the guys meet being in the same place for the first time since quarantine started. And so they, the, the bit was that they were hosting the show from a big empty field and we actually got them out and like everyone had to get tested and, and it, it was really, it was all safe, but it was like very fun. And like, I think really thrilling for people to be like, Oh, they're back literally in the same line again. Mm. Uh, so, and I miss everybody. I just like miss being in the same room with, with the writers who are so wonderful and, and the the other, the other rest of, the whole rest of the staff, it's just like everybody's so funny and smart and hardworking.
1: You have a podcast as well called Make My Day. And uh, one of the things you try to do on that show is put a positive spin on the news, which seems to be
4: especially challenging these days, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. So it's a one-on-one game show where there's one contestant each week. So they always win. The contestant always wins. Uh, so it's a very low stress experience for the listener and the contestant. And uh, the games are like, to cheer me up. So it's less about like <laughs> rip from the headlines and more yeah. like, okay, describe to me, like the questions will be all about describing a boy band that should exist. Or like, I give you these situations and you tell me the most relaxing outcomes for them to have. <laughs> and so, yeah. So it's like all very silly and, and freewheeling and, and riffy at the end of the show the contestant and i each give a pep talk to like a person or group that we think needs it and the the grand prize is a 100 hundred dollar donation to the charity or the aid cause of the guest choice oh Oh, how lovely thank
1: you well speaking of pep talks uh you've struck a nerve on twitter with uh offering (laughs) to give random people
4: pep talks how did that start Mm -hmm. and uh what's the key to a good pep talk uh, it started in like 2013 I had to look it up when I was writing my book for like when did I start doing this weird pathological thing <laughs> I was feeling pretty low and I was like you know you know a few thousand or whatever at the time follow me on social media and it's was like I bet if I was like please tell me something nice a bunch of people would tell me something nice but like more than I needed I just needed one and I was like <laughs> you know what maybe I can be that one for other people mm. I think most pep talks it's not advice it's like Telling them something that's almost definitely true that they might just have lost sight of. Like a real good pep talk that works in a lot of different scenarios is like, hey, A lot of people care about you and want to be there for you during this hard time. Well, that's very lovely. You've certainly pepped us up by being with us tonight. Josh
1: (laughs) Gondelman, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Eliza and Josh, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Eliza, you said you know a lot about Stephen Sondheim, the Jamestown Colony, and Beanie Babies. Mm -hmm. Whereas, Josh, you said you know a lot about the NBA bubble in Florida, the first seven seasons of Cheers, and celebrities from Massachusetts. Later on, we're going to ask you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. I can't wait to see which one. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, God Complex. First up, Eliza with God. Eliza, they both sound like things you should read if you are into God. But when talking about the Bible, what's the difference between the scripture and the gospel? The scripture and the gospel.
2: Uh, The scripture is what God said, and the gospel is what a person said that God said. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I wish our listeners could see the, the fist on the chin <laughs> smile and confidence, that little moxie that showed up at the like, end. Like,
2: uh, you know, the gospel according to blah. Um, okay. So, but,
1: but you said it's a person, what a person said according to what God said.
2: Yeah. It's a person okay. re- recounting something.
1: A person recounting <sighs> something.
2: I think I've answered it right that okay. was pretty much
1: oh boy and you're a religious person Eliza uh,
2: we, I, I grew up Unitarian Universalist so I got kind of a potpourri of everything okay. without <laughs> drilling down on any one thing in a quiz useful way
4: a, a potpourri but no pope weirdly
2: wow yes. wow mm-hmm. there you mm-hmm. go for the
1: sake. all right well we've gotten Eliza's answer we don't know yet
4: if she is correct Josh if you don't think she's got it exactly right you can steal what do you think Josh Okay, so I think the scripture was um the word of God transcribed into writing and the the gospels and so so I grew up Jewish and then I guess stayed that way. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the gospels were the words of the apostles specifically, I think. That's that I think is what my answer is. It the, I'm going to try to to prices write you on specificity wow. and, and say wow. that, that that's who, you that's added who the a dollar
2: were. and made it the God, the, mm-hmm. the apostles. Mm-hmm. Dang it. This,
1: yeah. That's, <sighs> that's my answer. All right. The $1 bid of, <laughs> of religion. Uh, Well, this segment needs to get crucified. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts.
0: Here are the facts. Scripture in its broadest meaning simply means something that is written down. It's more common meaning refers to the sacred or authoritative writings in any religion. And in Christianity, it refers to the entire text of the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. Gospel refers to the first four books of the new testament of the bible that's the gospel according to matthew mark luke and john these are the four books that are the biographical story of jesus
1: uh that's right the word gospel literally means good news and as such it is commonly used as the term to describe the entire message of the bible but that's just what our research shows don't take it as gospel helen how do they do in that question
0: I'm going to say no points for either one of you because, wow. uh, Eliza, you, what you said was just plain wrong. <laughs> what? If, uh, Josh, uh, you, you sort of were in the ballpark with the apostles specifically, but you didn't mention specific apostles. So Yes, and
1: as and, uh, okay, well, fair. there are other apostles who wrote non-gospel portions of the Bible, and so, you know. Yeah, like the Leviticus. Rat-
2: He's not gospel. For <laughs> other apostles that wrote the verses. These are the choruses. Yeah,
4: but it's all exactly. one song,
2: guys. The, the, the
4: gospel of Rihanna. Thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the gospel of yes. Ashanti is. What I <laughs> <say.
1: Yeah. laughs> Up next in What's the Difference is Josh. Josh, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen?
0: It's from Ashley Reedling of New Albany, Indiana. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactYourPod.com and click on Get Involved.
1: Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Ashley. All right, Josh, for your turn in the topic of God complex, complex. They both might describe your relationship status with God, but what's the difference between complex and complicated? Complex and complicated.
4: I'm going to say complicated means, like, convoluted or confusing. uh, And complex means made up of multiple components.
1: Okay. We have Josh's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Eliza, what do you think?
2: I think that complex is an adjective or a noun, and complicated is an adjective or a verb. Hmm. Something there's
4: that chin. There's that chin complicated.
1: Smile
2: again. <laughs> <laughs> like we had an okay plan, and then someone complicated it.
4: right? That's... Or why'd you have to go and make things so complicated as the yeah. other use case? Right.
2: Exactly. The
4: gospel according to Avril, thinking
2: (laughs) thinking that you're somebody else makes me frustrated. Mm -hmm.
4: Well, this segment is giving me a complex.
1: Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts.
2: Here are the facts. Complicated refers to
0: a situation or problem where there are elements, but they are all known. So outcomes follow rules and are predictable. Complex refers to a situation or problem where there are many elements that are unknown. So outcomes do not follow rules and are not predictable.
1: That's right. Now, as an example, a car is complicated, but traffic can be complex. So a car is full of parts, but you can predict how it will behave if you hit the brake or flip the turn signal, whereas traffic is full of unknown and unpredictable elements, like why there is congestion on the 405 freeway at 4 in the morning on a Thursday. Helen, how did our guest do?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say both of you bummed out on that one, too. What? What? <laughs>
1: Helen, what is our score at the end of that round?
0: After the first round, Eliza Skinner has zero points and Josh Gondelman also has zero points.
1: But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, everybody. When I first heard that this company was interested in sponsoring our show, I was so excited basically just on the name, because I'm going to be talking with you about a company called Kitty Poo Club. That's right, Kitty Poo Club. And what's even better is the amazing service that they provide. You know, working from home, of course, means more time for your morning coffee or an occasional afternoon nap or a evening nap or a morning nap. But it also means the opportunity for your kitty cat friend to walk across the keyboard in the middle of your Zoom call or meow while you're trying to record an ad. Do you hear that?
4: Cookie! Cookie! Cookie,
1: here's your good boy. Anyhow, you love having your cat around, but of course you don't love being around the litter box. Well, every month, Kitty Poo Club, that's right, Kitty Poo Club, delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The boxes, of course, are leak-proof, but even better, they're eco-friendly, and they have a fun design for every season. And when the month is up, you just recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one to your home. You don't have to change the use litter. You don't have to clean the box. That's probably the worst part about having a cat. What's even better now, though, is right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto-ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code GOFACT. That's G-O-F-A-C-T. Hey, that's our show. Just go to kittypooclub.com, enter promo code GOFACT to get 20% off when you set up auto-ship. That's kittypooclub.com and don't forget to enter the promo code at checkout. That promo code, again, is GOFACT. Again, they're called Kitty Poo Club, and it's a real thing that does something really great. Cookie, do you want to say goodbye? He's out kitty pooing. Thank you, Kitty Poo Club
4: video games video games
2: video games you like them
4: maybe you wish you had more time for them maybe you want to know the best ones to play maybe you want to know what happens to mario when he dies
2: (laughs) in that case you should check out triple click
0: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Eliza Skinner with zero points and Josh Gondelman with zero points. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton.
1: Thank you, Helen. We've got a very close game. Eliza, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Stephen Sondheim, the Jamestown Colony, and Beanie Babies. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about Stephen Sondheim.
2: I do. I, I love Stephen Sondheim. He's my favorite composer and lyricist musical creator. My first Broadway musical that I saw was Into the Woods. And I think he's great. Also love his movie a whole lot.
1: All right. You also said you know a lot about the Jamestown Colony.
2: Yes. I grew up up in Virginia. I'm descended from Pocahontas. Uh, Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents made a bunch of films about the Jamestown Colony when I was growing up. So like, they would pick me up from school and I would have to go to this reenactment village and sit in the break room do some homework while they're clowning around, making a movie with three actors. What? That is so many levels of interesting. It was boring as a kid, but yeah, now I know a bunch (laughs) of stuff about the Jamestown colony. Yeah. Jamestown. It's weird to me that Jamestown is not more of a national thing. Like Mm. the Mayflower and the pilgrims Kinda... That's how I
4: feel about Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, and finally,
1: Eliza Skinner, you said you know a lot about, or at least have heard of, Beanie Babies.
2: <laughs> yep, that's that's true. Um, yeah, no, I read the um, Beanie Baby bubble and found that really fascinating. And so, from time to time, I just check in on Beanie Babies. That's, that's on, that's on really the cost, a... on the
1: value, on their stories. Yeah,
2: like... yeah, on the cost of the value and the stories. On 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 how Ty Warner is doing. Um, with <laughs> what, his other, it
1: is? What, it, what appeals to you so much about it?
2: I mean, Ty Warner as a character is pretty fascinating. I, I kind of can't believe that no one has made a, I'm screwing myself over here right now, Uh-oh. that no one's made a movie about him because it's because like, well, Eliza, you should, you should be the one to do that then. Yeah. Um,
0: Seriously. Uh, but it. yeah. Zip it he, about he, Ty Warner and just come out the gate yeah. like Hamilton.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, that that'll be my rap musical. Yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like, did I want to watch a musical about the Treasury Secretary? Yes, I did. did yeah. want to watch a musical about Ty Warner? Yes, I he's did. He's a
2: man and he's different and he's kind of of means. He made a whole world of these animals from beans. Eliza
1: <laughs> um, men. that is how you do it. Uh, did, do you, did you collect beanie babies? Do you have any in your home?
2: I had like a few select ones. I didn't go all in because it always seemed strange to me at the time when the beanie baby craze was happening that. These were collectible. I'm like, collectibles, Mm. in my experience, aren't things you destroy if you get them wet. Mm. You know? (laughs) Like, they're usually... That's why
1: gremlins never took off. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so to summarize, Eliza, you said you know a lot about Stephen Sondheim, the Jamestown colony, and Beanie Babies. Today, we're going to quiz you about Stephen Sondheim. Yeah! You seem very excited. Eliza raising both of her arms in triumph.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not Beanie Babies. Yay, it's not Uh. Beanie
1: Babies. We mentioned earlier that uh, you were very proficient in musical improv. Have you done improv in the style of Sondheim? And and how do you do do that? What's the key to doing Sondheim style improv singing?
2: Well, when I used to teach musical improv, I would actually do a, a whole section on Stephen Sondheim style musical improv um, in in my level two. So you had to have gotten mm-hmm. through a whole eight weeks with me first before you even get near this. <laughs> yeah.
1: You got to do the Rodgers and Hammerstein first, and then you move up to, <laughs> to Sondheim.
2: yeah, yeah. And the Sondheim stuff, it would be a lot of um, a lot of patter, a lot of, a lot of swinging between patter singing and more melodic stuff because um, that stylistically that's that's definitely a real thing. Also being very in- introspective, like instead of mm. just being like, I'm the happiest boy in town or I'm so sad, everybody's sad. It would be like, I'm happy, but I'm sad. And that makes me feel anxious because now I have to explain it to someone I'm dating. <laughs> and that was this new kind of complexity that you wouldn't have in musicals really yeah. before him. Um, before him, it was really black and white. Kind of, in, I mean, in the same way that like with, uh, with pop music, mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell did that right. um, before her? It was like I love my baby. Well, and people right. around her time, but I think she did it the best. Like all the pop songs were like, "Love my gal, she's so cool," or like, "Why did he leave me? I'm so upset." And then <laughs> Joni Mitchell came along and was like, "I had an abortion, but it was the right thing." It was actually <laughs> giving a child up for adoption, not an abortion with her. <laughs>
1: Well, that was very well explained and unexpected. Uh, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off your five trivia questions about Stephen Sondheim, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Josh, do listen closely because you can steal if Eliza gets any of these wrong. Josh, by the way, how much do you know about Stephen
4: Sondheim? I know more than nothing, but less than something. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to put that on t well t-shirt. Said.
3: Um,
1: All right, here's your first question about Stephen Sondheim, Eliza. Many people first heard of Sondheim when they heard the lyrics he wrote to a show that started with, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. What 1957 production marked Sondheim's full-length Broadway musical debut?
2: That would be West Side Story, and I didn't even need the jets part of it. Can we buzz in (laughs) early on this, or should I let you finish?
1: (laughs) We're going to have to take your word for it, but uh, Helen?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct, of course. Uh, by the way, we phrase that question as full length musical debut because a song of his, Girls of Summer, appeared in a play with the same name in 1956, a year before.
5: Mm-hmm. All right,
1: question number two. Steven Sondheim has won seven Tony Awards, including one for Lifetime Achievement, eight Grammys, including a Trustees Award, and a Pulitzer Prize. He's also won one Academy Award for a song he wrote for the movie Dick Tracy. Who sang Sondheim's song in that movie?
2: Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, could it be Madonna? Helen? That is correct.
1: That is correct. Thank you for mocking us for the difficulty of your
4: question, too. <laughs> Eliza, I'm sorry. I'm just constantly. excited
2: because I thought I was going to do really badly and I can actually answer Honestly,
4: these. Honestly, <laughs> these questions make me feel more confident about the ones I'm going to <laughs> So okay. thank you for
2: that too. They yeah.
4: so are supposed to get harder as we go along.
1: Let's see if we end up oh like no, giving you Oh, gosh.
2: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so much hubris.
2: <laughs> it was I, I flew too close to the sun.
1: <laughs> it goeth before the fall. By the way, of course, that song was called Sooner or... Later. Mm-hmm. Alright, question number three, you are two for two. Perhaps Sondheim's most enduring song is Send in the Clowns, written specially for Glynnis Johns for the musical A Little Night Music, and recorded by everyone from Barbara Streisand to Judy Collins to Bing Crosby to Kenny Rogers to Lou Rawls to Krusty the Clown. The lyrics ask a lot of questions, but which one of the following questions is not asked in the song? Is it don't you approve? Are we a pair? When did it start, don't you love the farce, or isn't it queer?
2: Okay, I'm going to say the first one, approve, is not in it.
1: Don't you approve. Helen?
2: That is not correct.
1: No, I'm terribly (gasps) sorry. Josh Gondelman
4: with a chance to steal. Oh, gosh. So it's it's, don't you approve. When did it start? Helen?
1: That is correct. That is correct for a successful steal from Josh Gondelman. Thank Thank you. Uh, fun fact: Sondheim wrote additional lyrics for Barbara Streisand to record in her version of the song. She's also performed her own parody version about a certain president, where she sang, "Who is this clown?" Uh, all right, <laughs> can Elijah, I? Let's see if you can that's so. Can I get so any extra points from telling
2: people that Glennis Johns is probably known from playing the mother in uh, Mary Poppins? That is what most people are familiar mm. with. Helen, would you like to give
1: Eliza an extra point?
2: You know what? I'll give you, Eliza. I'll give you half a point. I will. Thank
1: you. Or Thanks. half a point. Half wow. A point. Yeah. We, you, you know, you, you come up with a show idea, and you never know how it's going to change. Because yeah.
3: you
2: get to uh,
1: the sixty ninth <laughs> episode.
3: Sorry half
2: a point for
0: because I did not know that, and I was like, oh.
1: Yeah, uh, that's pretty yeah. cool.
0: I think that I think the oh is worth half a point.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. you you outfund our fun fact. <laughs> uh, by the way, Glennis Johns currently is ninety seven years old wow. and still going strong. All right, Eliza. Here's question number four. Before West Side Story, Sondheim supplied lyrics for a musical written in 1954, but not produced until 1997. It tells the story of Brooklyn Bachelors' In Search of Love. What is it called? Oh, no. You do have two hints available if you'd like to use one of your hints.
3: Yes, I
0: want a Helen, hint. how about that first hint? Add a word to the end of this title, and you've got the name of a short-lived 1999 Broadway musical that was based on an iconic John Travolta movie.
2: Uh,
1: maybe maybe think of John Travolta movies which are iconic which you might uh,
2: is it urban cowboy or rhinestone cowboy but that was later that mm -hmm. wasn't 99 what was in 97 that he just wrote the lyrics not the music to I mean I'm I'm at a loss so I'm just gonna say um, rhinestone
1: Helen is it rhinestone
0: it is not Rhinestone. You
1: no, know, I'm terribly sorry, although I love that uh, Dolly Parton, Sylvester Stallone movie, and I hope does make that into a Ah, that's what
3: it that is, damn it!
4: Josh Gondaman with a chance to steal. All right, this is A Real Shot in the Dark, just going by the Clue. Was there a musical written by Stephen Sondheim, the lyrics but not the music, right? That's what we're looking for? Yep. Was it called Saturday Night? Helen?
0: That is correct.
4: Another yes.
1: successful steal by Josh oh, Gondelman. Josh. Saturday Night is the name of that oh, uh, very man. obscure Sondheim piece. That you're was
0: killing it with these clues.
1: That was a tricky one. I'm deceptive. One. Uh, Eliza, would you like to uh, say something and beg for a half point again? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Eliza. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. According to the Internet Broadway Database, there have been nearly 60 productions that have made it to Broadway and featured a contribution from Stephen Sondheim. Of those, there are four shows that have the word Sondheim in the title. Concerts and reviews, mostly, that featured folks like Mandy Patinkin and Barbara Cook. Name one of those four shows with Sondheim in the title. Side by Side by Sondheim. Helen?
2: That is correct.
1: That is correct (sighs) for the points. Eliza, triumphant and relieved. Uh, The (laughs) others are Mostly Sondheim, Celebrating Sondheim, and Sondheim on Sondheim. Uh, All right, you ended up doing quite well in that round, Eliza, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response, Eliza eating her hair in preparation for the cluster (laughs) fact question. (laughs) Eliza, in 2004, Sondheim's Assassins made it to Broadway and won five Tony Awards, the most of any production that year. For up to three points, who was the only performer in Assassins who won a Tony, which assassin, who was the earliest assassin depicted in the show, did that actor play, and name one of the other four Tony Awards the show won.
2: I can't remember this cast. Neil Patrick Harris? Was he in it? Anthony Rapp. We can't tell you yet. I got no idea, so I'm going to say Neil Patrick Harris won a Tony for it. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, And which assassin, who was the earliest assassin depicted in the show, did that actor play?
2: Um, That would be uh... John Wilkes Booth.
1: John Wilkes Booth. All right. And then we're looking for one of the other. John Wilkes
2: Booth is at the end. No, okay. And we're looking for
1: one of the other Tony Awards that it won.
2: Lighting design.
1: Lighting design. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is an actor, singer, and guitarist who's won two Tony Awards, including for his role in Stephen Sondheim's Assassins. It's Michael Cerverus. Michael oh Service. Oh my gosh! I should
2: have you
3: known don't this. I'm sorry. The cast.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. If I had said that I was an expert in Tommy, I would have slaughtered this. I would yeah. have been you all pronounced- over it. I would have been dunking Tommy factoids the whole time. <laughs> you had that option, but-, but you
1: did choose Sondheim. Let's welcome Michael Service. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. <laughs> I'm so glad
5: to be here, but I think I misunderstood the assignment, and I prepared uh, Beanie Babies. Oh, no. so- <laughs> What a basic coincidence! Oh. I, yeah.
1: uh, Speaking of coincidence, Michael, you and Eliza have actually uh, shared a stage before and have met before. Tell us about we that. We
5: have. We were at Joe's Pub for a, a um, Losers Lounge show. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who was the who who was the singer. Uh, the I, composer was it?
1: Paul Williams? Were we
5: on the Paul Williams? Oh one yeah, together? maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that was a show where people did different. Is it interpretations or songs in the styles of uh, well-known composers? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: it's it's a long running downtown New York tradition uh, run by Joe McGinty, and he puts together this amazing band that plays like 30 songs in a night of a either a given composer or sometimes their battle of the bands things. Mm-hmm. They get like 30 different singers to sing, and some of them are like spot on, perfect recreations, and some of them are the most bizarre interpretations <laughs> ever. And those are sometimes the best.
1: Oh, that's so fun. Uh, speaking of bands, Michael, you've got your own band called Loose Cattle. Uh, you guys play in this, uh, this, this really nice country vibe. And I understand that you actually have an album that's ready to go. But because of pandemic times, it's, uh, it's it, you're finding the, waiting for the right time to release that.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So in the meantime, we've been kind of uh, sending tracks to each other. Ha- most of the band is down in New Orleans where I sort of have my second home, um, but I'm up in New York now. So we've been sending tracks back and forth and, and doing singles and releasing them just kind of periodically, kind of responding more to the moment now. We just mm. did a, um, a cover of a John Cale song called Fear is a Man's Best Friend, mm. which, you know, Kind of self-explanatory, yeah, I think so.
0: Loose cattle,
5: yeah. Something uh, vaguely
0: sexual about that. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
5: You know, that might be the first time that's been suggested. uh, it's like just
1: cattle that are down for whatever. Oh boy! Anything between two consenting steer. <laughs> um, how, I'm curious that you know you're you're, you're so well trained and you're so well experienced and have this lovely voice. How do you keep your voice up and get that sort of muscle working during pandemic times when you're when you're uh, at home?
5: I just don't bother. Really? And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a technique. <laughs> um, I, I, As a kid, I was super conscientious and, you know, and would warm up for like a half an hour before I'd sing a show. And, and I realized that your body starts to really know what you are going to expect of it. Mm. It becomes more like a gentle stretching kind of thing to warm up. I guess I'm keeping in shape. I, don't, I probably won't know until, you know things return and Mm. and I'm actually standing on a stage in front of somebody and I'll flash back to this conversation (laughs) and realize.
1: (laughs) Remember when I was so confident? I don't need to warm up.
0: I will say though, just having, just listening to you for the past two minutes talking, your voice is like, your speaking voice mm-hmm. is like warm butter wrapped in a cozy blanket. It's that's two different analogies. I'm sorry, but but
1: um, <laughs> who doesn't love a buttery yeah, it's blanket?
0: Kind of a gross, yeah. it's kind of a gross, <laughs> gross analogy. Yeah. But like your voice is so lovely. Do you also do like, do you do like audiobooks or or podcast or like?
5: Yeah. Yeah, oh. I've done some audio books. Oh. Um, I did, and I, I used to do commercials and stuff. I was the voice of Lubriderm for a while. <gasps> oh, hey, and nice. uh,
1: you have a very moisturizing
4: voice. You do. You I that, feel moisturized. My ears
0: yeah. feel moisturized. Just listen. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Like a blanket full of warm butter. A blanket full of warm (laughs) butter. Uh, Michael, I want to talk with you
1: about Sondheim in just a moment, but uh, I want to mention uh, some of your other uh, career. You've had several productions on Broadway. You you won uh, your other Tony for Fun Home, which I saw, and and that performance has stayed with me uh, since then. You were almost unrecognizable in this part, the the physical transformation that you went through. Um, And and, uh, I saw in an interview that you said that that character stayed with you during the run of the show more than any other had before. Um, Why do you think that is, and, and what was that like to have a character with you the whole time?
5: There's something about, I suppose, playing a real person, playing the father of somebody that you came to know. Alison Mm -hmm. Bechtel was, you know, was very much around um, in the once we especially once we moved into the theater. And also, I think part of it was that Bruce, he is led up to the point of maybe understanding something about himself after a whole evening of struggling to to not know himself and. And he's at the point of maybe kind of coming to some understanding. And then he's hit by a bread truck. Mm. So you and every night you kind of, you know, your your story through the evening leads you up to this point of um, of catharsis. And then you robbed of the catharsis. And I think maybe it had something to do with that, that, you know, you're kind of led up to that point. Yeah.
0: Also getting hit by a bread truck is rough.
5: I mean, you know, it's 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 going to leave a mark.
1: Yeah. I found it a little stunty just when they brought the actual bread truck in through the theater. You know, it felt a little bit like the helicopter or the chandelier, but, you know.
5: We we didn't do it downtown, but you know,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Sondheim. You've been in many productions of Sondheim shows on Broadway and in concert at the Kennedy Centers. Uh, things like Sweeney Todd, Roadshow, Passion. Do you approach uh, Sondheim's work differently when you're when you're singing and performing Sondheim?
5: Well, you know, it's funny. His his music is both complex and complicated. Oh, and, um, yeah. someone's
1: been listening to the whole show. Nice. Yeah, exactly. Callback.
5: See, thank, thank you. Thank you. Very much. for you. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a while to sort of orient yourself in Sondheim. I mean, I grew up listening to Sondheim. My father's a music professor, a university music professor, and so it was because of him that I was exposed at an early age to sondheim's music and um, so I had it in my ear and was you know was used to listening to it. Mm-hmm. But when I sat down to try to learn it and actually you know recreate it, that was a whole other thing once you sort of get inside that world of it difficult intervals and really complicated um rhythmic structures and stuff once it kind of clicks in and it makes sense it really makes sense. And then I did a workshop of 110 in the Shade, which is like every song is in C or F or G, and it's all like 4-4 four, four time, and I could not for the life of me figure out how to sing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was simple, it was simplified like, in a different way. That's yeah, interesting.
3: where are
2: all the grace notes?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now you've, uh, you've performed for Sondheim at his 80th birthday and then virtually at his 90th birthday uh, earlier this year, and then you've gotten to work with him uh what kind of a feed what kind of feedback or guidance does a Stephen Steven Sondheim give as you're developing a role
5: He'll sometimes surprise you by not seeming to care about the particulars of every single note or every single thing Sometimes his notes will be more about just uh something uh, making the character authentic or believable mm. Other times he'll say you know the fourth note in the third you know measure of that that is a passing note on the way you're a little flat on that or that that should (laughs) actually be a dotted half note and so you know it can be super specific but generally it's much more of a kind of everything that he does is is motivated by telling a story and revealing the character and so his notes are kind of to you are often about that
1: well let's talk about assassins that was quite a production
5: that was a crazy thing it was it was kind of like an acting class on steroids you had these nine different actors and the way the show is constructed you have a lot of two or you know small person, small number of characters scenes and because I was playing uh, John Wilkes Booth and my assassination happens first in the play all of the characters stayed on stage in our production for the once you you know had Mm -hmm. your assassination or attempt you stayed on stage so I was on stage for pretty much the entire show watching and it was the most fantastic seat in the house Mm -hmm. and the best acting lesson ever and you know you had Neil Patrick Harris you had uh, Mario Cantone you had uh, Mr. O'Hare
1: your fellow nominee
5: yeah Dennis O'Hare was he was a real hero of mine. I, I expected, I expected him to be going home with the Tony Award, and mm. I think possibly he didn't only because he had just won it the year before.
1: Well, let's talk about that Tony Award that you won. Who presented you that award?
5: Not only Felicia Rashad, you know the the Queen of Broadway and Mrs. Cosby, but uh, Puff Daddy gave <laughs> no. me my or P Diddy what? or Sean Combs.
1: What? That was the season he was on Broadway in uh, was it Raisin in the Sun?
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah. And uh, and it was hilarious because first of all he I don't remember exactly what he said but it was not really my name. It was it was some it was some <laughs> oh. version of my name.
2: Was it was it uh Michael Dezeem? Wait, he he Adele Dezeemed you?
4: John <laughs> yeah. yeah. Combs just assumes everybody has several different similar. Versions, <laughs> exactly. Right? I think that's
1: exactly it,
5: exactly Josh. So afterwards I you know so I went up and the first thing I could think of, like you a million things are going through your head when this happens, but all I could think was this. The most surreal thing is that I've just gotten this award from Puff Daddy. So I I said something to that effect. And then as we're walking off, um, his two massive bodyguard guys kind of folded in as we moved into the wing. And I suddenly had this terrible fear because I knew that he was going by Sean Combs on Broadway, you know, for respectability and... And I said, Oh man, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I didn't know what to call you and you know, I just I know you as puff, so you know, that's what I said. And he said, Nah, it's aight, you know, and you know, getting getting an aight from, from P. Diddy was, you know Wait, were you afraid that that ended Were you afraid the
0: bodyguards were about to come beat you up for something? Yeah, I suddenly
5: you? was afraid that like I had I had transgressed some unwritten yes. <laughs> law. At least a- a of, tense you know.
2: conversation at the very
5: least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, we all
1: know how the Tony Awards back then, it was like going to the Source Awards. I mean, any Absolutely. Happen, all that gang activity. It's rough. Uh, all right, Michael, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Eliza. We're going to take them in a little bit of a different order. We asked Eliza, what were one of the four other Tony Awards besides an award for a performer that Assassins won? Helen, what did Eliza say?
0: Eliza said, lighting design.
1: And Michael Cerverus?
5: That is absolutely right. That what? is correct. Best Lighting yeah. Design. You got
1: the point, Eliza.
2: Yes! Yeah. When in doubt, were... Lighting Design.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, Lighting Design. Uh, the other awards were for Best Director of a Musical, uh, Best oh. Orchestrations, and Best Revival of a Musical, even though technically it was not a Broadway revival. It was a revival of an off-Broadway show, but I'm guessing because they thought that maybe they had better chances of winning that award it was selected in that category so congratulations that's a point for eliza uh mm-hmm. we also mm-hmm. wanted to know what was the role the the performer who won the tony that year played who was the earliest assassin depicted in the show helen what did eliza say
0: eliza said john wilkes booth
1: and michael serverus that's absolutely right
0: that Yay! is correct another
1: point for <laughs> eliza very good and then for me for knowing know, the
2: show if not the
1: production. <laughs> 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 and then finally, we want to know who was the only performer in Assassins who won a Tony that season. Helen, what did Eliza Skinner say?
0: Eliza said Neil Patrick Harris.
1: And uh, who, in fact, was that Michael Servers?
5: Well, Neil was nominated in the leading actor category, uh, but in the featured actor category, which was the one where the award went to an Assassins actor, that was to me. That
1: was you, Michael Servers. I'm sorry. That's okay.
5: Neil Neil will feel much better about the whole
1: thing. Before we let you go, Eliza, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert Michael Servers while we have him? Here?
2: Um I would like to say that it was very nice to see you, and I'm sorry that I, that I got your question wrong. I'm really embarrassed because you're great.
5: I actually couldn't be happier that you did it exactly the way you did. Okay, Excellent good, We couldn't be happier you. that we had you
1: here. People want to find out more about you or your work, Michael. Where can they go?
5: Um, they can go to, if you want to find out about Loose Cattle, uh, Loose Cattle Band has a website. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I've been lately, I've been in my dad's basement going through boxes during, you know, the the personal archaeological dig that is <laughs> quarantine time. And uh, and I've been finding all these old photographs of stuff from when I grew up in West Virginia and was on stage for the first time through, uh, I think I'm up to my days in fame right now. So mm. if you if you want some really embarrassing photos, my Instagram account and Facebook page are, uh, <laughs> are the place to go.
1: Wow. Excellent. Well, it was wonderful to uh, speak with you and to see you and to hear your lovely voice. Thank you for joining us. Michael
5: Cerveris. Yay! Thank you all. Yay! Congratulations
0: Next time I wrap myself in a buttery blanket, I will think of you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Think of him. Me too. (laughs) Helen, what is our score at the end of that round?
0: At the end of that round, Eliza Skinner has five and a half points, and Josh Gondelman has two points, with a round of questions for Josh coming up.
1: That's right. We're going to talk with Josh about a topic he knows about, plus later, Josh and Eliza will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself.
3: I can't. Are myself, in? But I'm are
5: These are real
1: podcast listeners, not actors.
6: And, hey, thanks
1: for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb.
2: And like, uh, right here, this one.
1: Meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan, Jesse, go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, go. Jesse,
4: go. Jordan, Jesse, go.
1: Jordan, Jesse, go. A real
5: podcast.
0: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Eliza Skinner with five and a half points and Josh Gondelman with two points. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton.
1: Thank you, Helen. All right, Josh Gondelman, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the NBA bubble in Florida, the first seven seasons of Cheers, and celebrities from Massachusetts. Let's find
4: out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the NBA bubble in Florida. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big NBA fan. A uh, big Celtics fan. I was really skeptical that this was going to hold. That they were going to be able to and finish for those who don't know, can you explain a little bit about what the oh, bubble of in Florida is, please? Yes, uh, the NBA decided that they were going to bring all the teams in competition for the championship that that had a chance to make the playoffs and go all the way to Disney. Basically, <laughs> put them all up in hotels and have them all play in like. Uh, a couple of courts in, like, big, in, like, a centrally located arena. And this was done and in response I, to the pandemic to, to limit travel yes. and exposure. Like, inside
0: kind of Disney World, and they're...
4: Not in the theme park, but within the grounds of what counts as Disney uh-huh. property. Okay. Mm-hmm. I missed basketball, but, like, I didn't realize how much I missed it until it was available to me. And I was like, well, I'll just watch this until uh, sleep comes for me. (laughs) All right, Josh, you said you also know a lot about the first seven seasons of Cheers. Well, that's because I've watched them all in the last six weeks with my wife. (laughs) We have been powering through Cheers. Again, another Massachusetts legend. Um It's good. People say it's good Mm -hmm. and it's good. I think I don't know if this is um, heresy, but I think it gets better as it goes on. Mm. I think a lot is made like when the legend of Cheers is like Sam and Diane, will they, won't Mm -hmm. they, will they again? Why did they? But I think (laughs) after Sam sells the bar and comes back as a bartender and he he is uh, just a a horny bartender as opposed to everyone's boss being horny at them I feel like it's just a much less uncomfortable workplace (laughs) dynamic to observe that is really how I feel really have a lot to do with
3: it
0: this you're powering through the past six weeks this is not obviously the first time you've seen it is this
4: like it's the first time I've seen all of it oh oh Cause I was pretty young when it was airing on television, but now I'm like revisiting as, as part of like my, my television education, my Massachusetts education yeah. and the, the endless expanse of time unfolding before <laughs> us all in our homes. <laughs> all right. And then finally, Josh, you said, you know a lot about celebrities from Massachusetts. Speaking of Jewish and from Massachusetts, I feel like those two properties you love to point out when someone else is. Um, <laughs> So you you like to take credit for the good ones mm-hmm. and vocally disavow the bad <laughs> ones. And, yeah. So who, who, so who are some I, of your favorite celebrities from Massachusetts? Bonus points if they are Jewish. Oh, my gosh. You've got your Amy Poehler and your Rachel Dratch. Those are classic Massachusetts celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm from Stoneham, Massachusetts, personally. So we claim Nancy Kerrigan <laughs> and we claim her hard. And we don't see the film I, Tanya because it's disloyal. Um, <laughs> A real thing my parents did. So to summarize, Josh, you said you know a lot about the NBA bubble in Florida,
1: the first seven seasons of Cheers, and celebrities from Massachusetts. Today, we're going to quiz you about the first seven seasons of Cheers. Okay, let's do this. Very good. Now, uh, are you planning on continuing with the rest of the series?
4: Yes. I think we've taken a bite out of season eight, Mm -hmm. but um, I just don't, you know, I didn't know how far we would get before this taping. How did you think
0: of all the the, the m- millions of things you could possibly be watching and powering through during the pandemic. How did you come to Cheers?
4: It felt personally like a failing to have not seen mm. it all to this point. And we were like 11 seasons, that's a lot, but 24, 25 minute episodes, those are little. So it was both <laughs> a big undertaking but in in small uh, bite-sized quantities. Mm. All right. Well, Josh, let's see if that uh, binging is going to pay off because
1: just ahead we'll enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery with an expert-level question worth up to three points. Before that, to show your love, here are your five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Eliza, do listen closely because if Josh answers incorrectly, you can turn the tables on him and steal. Eliza, by the way, how much do you know about the first seven seasons of Cheers?
2: I know a lot about the first seven seasons of Cheers. Oh, all right.
1: Wow. A lot of confidence.
2: I almost ran and got my homemade Diane Chambers sweatshirt, um, but I wow. don't actually know where oh. it is right now. Please yeah. uh, please send that as a
1: photo. We will use that to promote this episode. Okay. All right, Josh, <laughs> here is your first question about Cheers. Let's see if you give Eliza a chance to uh, sneak in during this quiz. From its first episode in season one, Cheers had one of television's most memorable theme songs, written by Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart Angelo. Although it's known as the theme from Cheers, what is the actual title of the theme song?
4: Oh, gosh.
1: Don't think too much. Oh, okay. Where everybody knows your name? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. Excellent job on the first question. Uh, Fun fact, that theme song actually made the pop charts, peaking at 83 on the Billboard Hot 100. All right, here's question number two. Played by Ted Danson, Sam the bartender was a retired Major League Baseball pitcher for what team? He was a relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Helen?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct for the point. Fun fact, according to the show, he pitched from 1972 to 1978, and his pitching coach was Ernie Pantuso, better known on the show as coach. All right, here's question number three. Cheers wasn't the only bar in town. In fact, starting in season four, they had an ongoing rivalry throughout the course of the series with everyone from Rebecca and Woody to Norman
4: Cliff getting involved. What was the name of that rival bar of Cheers? Okay, the guy that owned it was Gary. I want to say it's the Old Town Tavern, but I forget. I'm going to ask for a hint. Why not? It's the third question. Ellen, how about that first hint?
0: It was not...
1: Barry's New
4: Town Saloon. I was right twice, but I would have been wrong both times. It is Gary's Old Town Tavern. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Excellent <laughs> use of the hints. Josh is three for three.
1: All right, here's question number four. Cheers had some wonderful guest stars, but which of the following people did not appear in the first seven seasons of the show? Was it Christopher Lloyd, Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill, John Cleese, Wade
4: Boggs, Tom Brokaw, or Dick Cavett? It was Tom Brokaw did not appear in the first seven seasons. Pretty confident. You you remember the appearances of those other folks? I do. Okay.
1: Helen, is it Tom Brokaw?
0: It is. You are correct.
1: That is correct, Josh. Very confident and very correct. Uh, Fun fact, John Cleese actually won an Emmy for his role as a marriage counselor. He's the only guest star to win an Emmy in the long run of Cheers. Uh, Dick Cavett, by the way, appeared as an expert on episode 22 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Josh, you are four for four and have a chance to go five for five with a hint still available. Here is your question number five. One of the biggest moments for Cheers was, of course, the departure of Shelley Long and her character Diane Chambers at the end of season five. After she leaves the bar, what is the
4: last thing Sam says to her? Um, I'm going to ask for my hint as long as I have one sure, left. Sure, Helen, how about that second hint?
0: Well, he didn't want her to have a bad life.
4: Oh, he says, have a nice life. Helen?
1: That is not correct.
4: No, I'm terribly Uh, sorry. Eliza with a chance to steal.
1: Have a good life. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. A successful steal from Eliza. Have a good life. Very nicely done. Josh Uh,
2: has that nice... um, Bias. Yes, (laughs) Josh is biased
1: against niceness or for niceness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fun fact, Shelley Long returned as herself for a discussion about the show on its 200th episode and as Diane for the show's series finale. Sorry about those spoilers, Josh. All right, Josh, you still did quite (laughs) well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Josh, one of the regulars at the Cheers bar was, of course, Norm, who seemed to have a lot of time to hang out with the gang, considering he was married. We heard about and from his wife several times, but only saw her on camera once, sort of. For up to three points, what was Norm's wife's name, what actor played her, and the one time his wife appeared on camera in season
4: five, what item from Thanksgiving dinner was covering her face? Her surname was Vera. Vera. Mm -hmm. i'm gonna whiff on the actor i'm gonna fully punt i and do you want to just give the name of a a person that you want to say hello to sure yeah um look i this is all possible thanks to the tenacity and knowledge of actors uh and and performers of my wife maris kreisman Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm gonna shout out to maris kreisman Okay. i don't think i don't think played Vera, well, we'll find out. We will find out, Josh. That I promise you. She would have been great. Yes. And she, gosh, there's a food fight at Thanksgiving. She opens the door, something hits her in the face. I'm going to say it's a pie. I'm going to say it's a pie. All right, so we've got Vera, mm-hmm. uh, your wife's name, <laughs> and a pie. All right, <laughs> Helen is
1: taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is an actor who received six consecutive Emmy nominations for his role as Norm on Cheers. Whoa. It's
1: George Wendt. Hello, George Wentz. Are you there, sir? I am indeed. There he is. Wow. Wow. It's you. This is
2: crazy.
1: Thank you so much for joining us, George. Oh, you got it. Wow. Uh, Now, here's a fun connection. We mentioned that Josh and Eliza know each other. We mentioned that Eliza and Michael Servers know each other. And uh, Michael Servers and George Wentz know each other. And in fact, George, you helped us get Michael for the show. Thank you for that. (laughs) Tell us how you know Michael Servers, by the way
7: uh i did a, a a year on tour the national tour of 12 angry men with uh his brother todd Cerverus and uh michael visited once or twice along the road excellent
0: i'm so impressed that that you're on the show you're you're as we say a good get
7: oh well <laughs> uh, that's you know i i'm a veteran of jay keith's other show uh well one of his other shows um what's my line
1: Yes, you. Uh, uh, just as a little background, I used to do a live stage version of the, of the uh, TV game show What's My Line? And uh, George was our, one of our mystery guests when we did uh, the show in LA and also was our very first mystery guest when we did the show in New York. He was a, a two-time mystery guest and we always appreciate his willingness to, uh, to show up for me. So I really appreciate your being here uh, as well. You've actually been on Broadway in uh, some musicals, which people might be surprised to know, and some plays. Uh, You did Hairspray in many different productions, both on Broadway and and
7: on the road, which meant you were playing a woman. What was that like for you? You know, I used to sit in that stupid Hairspray can, you know, uh, for about eight or nine minutes before my entrance uh, in the finale. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I would just sit there going, I will never have another role like this <laughs> for the rest of my life. This is amazing.
0: What was the That's most so cool. uncomfortable piece of women's attire that you had to wear?
7: They had this big booty. You know, uh, they said, Well, we got to get you, uh, you know, all padded up. And I was like, Really? Have you like seen me at all? <laughs> Do you know, uh, you know, they go, Oh, yeah, yeah, we know. But, um, you got to have a big old booty. And uh, so uh, it was that thing. Isn't that why you got into acting in the first place, though? Uh.
1: Well, you have worked a lot since then. In fact, uh, you got a movie that is, I guess, supposed to come out this year, but it's already gotten rave reviews. It's called The Climb. Uh, Tell us about uh, your your role in that
7: and tell us about that movie. Yeah, well, I'm a dad, um, which is fine. It's uh, my lot in life. (laughs) And uh, it's about two uh, lifelong friends and just how poisonous and toxic and wonderful their relationship is Mm. over a couple of decades really I think and um, uh, it it is indeed uh, they're going to come out in theaters they say November now it's November 13th
1: All right, well, we'll look for that however people get to watch it. Um, I want to talk to you about Cheers in just a moment. But, of course, people also might know you from uh, your recurring 10-plus times on Saturday Night Live as one of the the Swirsky brothers, the the Bears. Yeah. Um, And you were playing, of course, a diehard Chicago sports fan. And you actually are a diehard Chicago sports fan. You You
7: know, I've been so lucky. that that Probably, you know, two of my most, you know, memorable roles are, are, you know, like a guy who looked like he wanted to have a beer, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And, um, you know, a guy who liked Polish sausage and the bears. You know, like, uh, so uh, it's like, that I can do.
1: <laughs> it came natural to you. <laughs> well, let's talk about as You appeared on all 275 episodes. Yeah. Um, I get the sense that it's sort of having a renaissance now as people are able to, to stream and binge it. Uh, is it true that people would actually do that at the height of the show, like while you were in the men's room and at, at, at any awkward time?
7: Yeah. 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 The men's room is... That's, you know, if you're shy at all in the men's room, that's not good, you know, to have some <laughs> guy, you know, you know, just scream norm at the top of his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you did 275 episodes. It all started with an audition. What was your audition for Cheers like? My agent said, "Well, it's a, it's a small role, but you like these guys. You did Taxi with them, remember? It's how small is it?" He's, "Well, one one line." you know actually uh one word uh um well actually it's one syllable And it was uh, of course the word was beer and uh, yeah and so they uh they said uh well that's too small really why don't you read this other role? it was this guy who be- became norm and uh then like about 3 years ago i learned this the producers were having a symposium kind of thing at UC Santa Barbara. Jim Burroughs and Glenn and Les Charles are up on stage and I'm in the way, oh, they asked me to be a uh, surprise guest, much like today. And, <laughs> um, and uh, so they uh, I'm sitting in the wing, just listening to them and go on and on about this and that. And one audience member said, now, did you have anybody uh, in mind when you were writing uh, Cheers? you know, for the cast, and they go, oh, God, no. Oh, no, no, we saw everybody in Hollywood, and they were referring, of course, to Sam and Diane, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they said it was months of meticulous, you know, and after that they go, but uh, Rhea, you know, we had Rhea in mind, and George, I'm a- <laughs> now I find out after like 30 years like the, the role was mine It was written, George, in the script
0: like, Oh wow, that's so flattering
7: and yeah. I They be, still made you fight for it though I can't
0: believe that you parlayed Literally one syllable Into 275 <laughs> episodes
7: Well, there, There's a better story though Actually, John Ratzenberger um, w- Went in for the same role, George and uh, he could tell it wasn't going well. Uh, he said, uh, well, thanks a lot. And uh, he's, uh, and they'll go, yeah, thanks for coming in. And, and he literally, for reals, had one foot out the door. And he popped his head back in and he goes, do you guys have a bar know-it-all? And they go, no, no, what do you mean? And he, he started improvising in that Cliff Claven character and they uh, they wrote it in. <gasps> wow. Wow. That is some chutzpah. Some chutzpah indeed. He
0: improvised his character into existence in the audition room? Yep. Damn. That's ballsy. Yep.
1: That's cool. (laughs) And uh, the cast seemed obviously very bonded, especially on that 200th episode uh, (laughs) anniversary. Um, You've kept in touch with the cast over the years?
7: I have. um, Keep in touch with all of them. That's really
1: lovely. Um, all right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. Uh, you heard the question that we asked of Josh. We wanted to know first, what was the name of Norm's wife on Cheers? Helen, what did Josh say?
0: Josh said Vera.
1: And uh, George went.
7: Uh, indeed, Vera, that's correct. Vera is
1: correct <laughs> for the point, very good. Uh, next, we want to know what was the name of the actor who played Vera? Helen, what did Josh say?
0: Josh said Maris <laughs> Chrysman.
1: And uh, George went. is that correct? No, it was my wife. <laughs> and in fact, uh, I believe we have a very special guest to join us right now. Uh, who's there with you?
6: Uh, it's Bernadette Prakat, George's Hello, wife. Bernadette
1: Prakat. No, it's nice to see you.
6: Uh, very nice to see you. I got off the stationary bike to come in. Oh, especially especially flat. So I'm all sweaty. Uh, I'm which I'm sure, I'm sure Vera never perspired or, or glowed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Bernadette, perhaps you can tell us who played Vera on Cheers. <laughs> I
6: played Vera
1: on shoes. It was you, for cat. Excellent Now you actually supplied the voice for Vera Every time that we heard her, is that right? Yes, I did Yeah. The, uh, the question we asked about next was about a food fight Where Vera appeared but her face was obscured And uh, was that you under that uh, food That we'll get to in a moment?
6: No, it was not
1: And uh, tell us who that was and why you weren't what, what, The one time you had an opportunity to appear on camera <laughs> Why weren't you there?
6: Well, because I was shooting It's Gary Shandling show on Tuesday nights, the same schedule as George had, and they used Shelley Long's uh, stand-in. Wow. Rebecca Soliday mm-hmm. as uh, as Vera. Wow. It looks a lot like my body.
1: <laughs> and that's you why, why I'm on the your...
6: stationary bike yes. now. Oh, of course. <laughs> nice. Uh,
1: but for Bernadette, you actually did get to appear on camera a couple times throughout the series.
6: I did. I was John Ratzenberger's romantic interest. I think it was one of Coach's last uh, episodes, Mm
3: -hmm. which was
6: a Halloween episode. And uh, and also I'm in the very last episode. It's my legs on the steps of Cheers. (laughs) And you can see me through the window as George is talking to uh, Ted uh, just before the show is over for forever.
1: Oh, that was so great that they, that they brought you in for that. And you got to So you got to be on set with your husband.
0: How did the casting happen? Were you married to George before, or did you meet it? At... Yeah, I'm not a trophy wife.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I met George 42 years ago at Second City in Chicago, where we were in a company together.
7: Wow. That's so wonderful. Uh, We've uh, been married since
6: 1978.
7: Wow. Mazel tov. Wow. We moved to California in 1980.
6: I moved and George arrived
7: with
1: a suitcase. That's that's the way to travel. Uh, So I'm sorry, no point on that question for you, Josh, but let's get to the last portion of the question. We wanted to know, uh, in season five, when Vera did appear on camera, what item from Thanksgiving dinner was covering her face? Helen, what did Josh Gondelman say? Josh said pie. And uh, George and Bernadette? It was pie. pie. It was pie. Congratulations, Josh. In fact, it was pumpkin pie, but we didn't need that for the point. Pumpkin
0: pie
6: with whipped cream.
1: Excellent. And uh, mm-hmm. were, you, were you a little happy to, to miss out on, being, uh, on on having pie thrown at you in the face, or you, you would have been happy for that?
6: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I, uh, you know, I always love a food fight.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
6: As uh, long as party. it's not in my own home.
1: Yes. Uh, before we let you go, Josh, is there anything you'd like to ask of our uh, expert and bonus expert while we have them here?
4: Oh my gosh, I would like to apologize to the bonus expert, Bernadette, for, for <laughs> missing your name. And I guess thank you for a wonderful performance on the show. I'm like enjoying it now several years later and it's just there's so much range and it. it's so sharp. And I'm I'm really resisting just doing a, a, a norm with every five of you. <laughs> and I hope I hope that comes across. So thank you. And uh, have a great day. Sure thing. Yeah. Uh, all right, we do have to uh, let
1: you go, but, uh, George and, uh, Bernadette, if people want to find out more about you or your work, uh, you got a website or social media you can let us know about?
6: Uh. No. Oh, no. Okay.
1: If people want to find out.
6: <laughs> we were, like, completely, yeah. Okay. You know, if our dogs could do that for us, <laughs> okay. we'd
1: be all
5: set. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's pretty I mean, easy to find George Went on TV, uh. <laughs> <laughs> almost any day of the week and we certainly appreciate uh, Bernadette joining as well you've done some wonderful work obviously as you said with Gary Handling show you're on the Larry Sanders show a whole bunch of other appearances please uh, we encourage our listeners to look up George and Bernadette and of course George appears in the movie The Climb which hopefully will be out uh, in a manner that people can safely see soon thank you so much for joining us and being here with us George Went and Bernadette Burkett thank you guys okay <laughs> thank bye thank you oh. hey. yay alright Helen going into the final round what is our score
0: Eliza Skinner has six and a half points, and Josh Gondelman has eight points. All right, Ah. now it is time for our
1: final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Eliza and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. This should determine the winner. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Eliza, there's a professional men's soccer league in the United States. True. That is correct. Correct. Josh, the league is called the Professional Men's Soccer League of the United States. True. Incorrect. No, it's actually called Major League Soccer, not the PMSLUS. Uh, Eliza, (laughs) one of the teams in Major League Soccer is the San Jose Earthquakes.
2: False. Incorrect. No,
1: it really is. It seems a little insensitive. Josh, there's a- I'd like to steal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You want to
1: steal on the choice of true and false. Interesting strategy. Josh, there is a professional soccer team in Botswana called the Gilport Lions. True. Correct. Eliza, the Guildport Lions used to be called the Botswana Meat Commission Football Club.
2: True. Correct.
1: Go Meat Commission. Josh, there's a professional soccer team called the Cape Coast Mysterious Abusua Dwarfs. False? Incorrect. Nope. Go Abusua Dwarfs. Mm -hmm. Eliza, there's a team called the Anti-Drug Strikers. True. Correct. Josh, there's a team called the Pro-Drug Strikers. False. Correct. Eliza, there's a team called the Miscellaneous Sporting Club.
0: False. Incorrect. No, there really is. Ah!
1: Josh, there's a team called the Hard Rock Football Club. True. Correct. Eliza, there's a team called the Soft Rock Football Club.
2: False. Correct.
1: Josh, there's a team called the Yacht Rock Football Club. False. Correct. And finally, Eliza, the mascot of the Yacht Rock Football Club is Kenny Loggins false <laughs> we're not going to count those last few let's give a uh, thank you to eliza skinner and josh gondelman as helen tabulates the final score helen are you ready to reveal the winner of today's show at the end of the game
0: eliza skinner has nine and a half points and josh gondelman has 11 points wow what a close
1: game congratulations to both of our players but josh you are the facting champion on go factor self josh what will you do with your championship
4: Oh, my gosh. I'm going to uh, trot it around in the town square. Tell everybody I know. Excellent. <laughs> when, and is there a town square in your city? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, my, my hometown there okay, is. Okay, let's go to the hometown so and trot I'll, that when around. When I can safely go to my hometown, I'm going to trot it around. Excellent. Stone in Massachusetts, get ready get, for a trot. Get ready for a trot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're just going to wrap things up and give people a chance to promote any upcoming products, appearances, or services. Eliza, where can people find you and your work?
2: Uh, They can find me on my social media at Eliza Skinner on Twitter or at Eskins on Instagram. You can also see a lot of pictures of my very cute dog there. Um, And I would love it if people checked out Earth to Ned on Disney Plus and my album Regarding My Lovers, wherever you get albums.
1: Indeed. Uh, Congratulations on all of those projects and thank you so much for joining us, Eliza Skinner. Uh, Josh Gondeman, where can people find you and your
4: work? Oh my gosh, I have a, a, an essay collection out, a book called Nice Try, Stories of Best Intentions and Mixed Results, wherever you book. Um, I have a podcast called Make My Day, the aforementioned podcast, wherever you podcast. Please watch Jesus and on Showtime. We're back in 2021 uh, for our third season. And on social media, Instagram and Twitter, I'm uh, at Josh Gondelman, G-O-N-D-E-L, man. I also have a cute dog. Excellent. Congratulations (laughs) on all of that, especially the cute dog. And thank you so much for joining us, Josh. Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky because
1: my hosting partner is the lovely and talented Ms. Helen Hong. Helen is raising the roof and we'll give her plugs at this moment now.
0: You can see my very cute dog on my Instagram <laughs> at funny Helen Hong. Not not the other Helen Hong. She's not funny. Funny Helen Hong is the one you <laughs> want to follow. You can see me on uh, Netflix. On a I'm in a movie right now called The Babysitter Two. It's currently in the top. Pen, Netflix in, you know, in the United States, uh, Babysitter to Killer Queen. And you can hear me on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me asking Josh to do New England accents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the wicked and you awesome can hear me doing them. Helen Hong. <laughs> Thank you so much, Helen. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. I have two cute cats, which... There you go. Uh, that just leaves me to thank <laughs> Eliza Skinner, Josh Gondelman, Michael Serveris, George Went, Bernadette Burkett. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com. And buy our T-shaped <laughs> shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J.K. Fan Stratton. Good night. Yeah. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday, it's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Hungry Hog did. He, she, or they said, every episode has been great. Favorite podcast to listen to while we cook. Thanks, Hungry Hog. Bon appétit. Helen. <laughs>
0: Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and Jake Van Straten and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Special thanks to Harlan Bowl at B. Harlan Bowl Public Relations, Mitch Clem at Mitch Clem Management, Anique Mueller at Wolf Casteller Public Relations, Gary Gersh at Innovative Artists, Emily Skinner, Porter Kelly, Sarah Ruddenbaugh, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedef, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong!
1: Let's go watch more seasons
4: of Cheers!